Our Old Covenant reading this evening is from the book of Obadiah. We'll be reading verses 10 through 18 this evening. This is the word of the Lord. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. Keep your finger with me here in Obadiah, as that will be the primary portion of God's word for this evening's sermon. Turn with me to our... New Covenant reading in 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll be reading verses 8 through 13. This is the word of the Lord. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Turn with me back to our uh, passage in Obadiah. It was Ben Franklin who said, he said this, In this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. I actually looked it up. He didn't come up with that line about death and taxes, but it is kind of the most memorable, right? Especially the way that he puts it. And I sense a bit of humor there. You know, he, he's, he was actually talking about government and trying to establish a good government, you know, and then he says, well, nothing really can be certain, you know. Do the best that you can, but the only thing that comes out in the end is death and taxes. You know that's going to come. And like for us, we kind of smirk because it's still kind of true, you know. April 15th is coming, whether you like it or not. You've still got to file your taxes. 
Um, funny story about that. My sister actually got in trouble. She moved to Canada. She thought, well, I'm in Canada. I don't make any money in the U.S. She actually got in trouble for not filing a federal tax return in the U.S. It just, I don't know why. She didn't have any income to report, but she had to file. It's one of those things you have to do. Um, and in a more serious sense, right, we know this, that the day of our death is inescapable. You can't stop it. We know loved ones that we've lost, people close to us. There's nothing you can do to stop that day from coming. Well, it turns out there is something else in this world that is absolutely certain. It's even more significant than tax day or even the day of one's death, if you really stop and think about it. And that certainty is the day of the Lord. The idea of the day of the Lord is found all throughout the prophets, right? You read the prophets, you see it's all over the place. The prophets are continuously talking about the fact that the day of the Lord is coming. And this is a terrible and a terrifying thing. Malachi 3, 2 says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? It's a rhetorical question, right? No one. Who can stand when God himself comes? Because he is coming to judge his enemies, and he will not delay. But you know, for the people of God, right, we understand this, the day of the Lord is judgment. But for the people of God, something else is going to happen. Because on that day, God will judge his enemies, but he will bless and save his people. Why is that true? Why is it true that the day of the Lord is the hope of the people of God and the terror of God's enemies? I actually want us to look here at Obadiah and see the way that that plays out. And I want us to see three things. The day of the Lord is the hope of God's people and the terror of God's enemies because first, the Lord sees and remembers. Second, the Lord himself will come. And third, the Lord will judge and bless. The day of the Lord is the hope of God's people and the terror of God's enemies because the Lord sees and remembers. He himself will come and he will judge and bless. So first of all, the day of the Lord is the hope of God's people and the terror of God's enemies because the Lord sees and remembers. He sees and remembers. Look with me here at verses 10 through 14. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitive. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress." Actually, what's going on here is really quite simple. Um, presumably, Obadiah is prophesying about um, what happened in the fall of Jerusalem. Can't be exactly certain, but Obadiah really fits that time period. It seems to make the most sense. So in the day when Jerusalem fell, when the enemies of Jerusalem came and attacked the city, laid waste to it, took all of the, the plunder, uh, the people of Edom are joining in. 
They are joining in against God's people. They are taking the spoils. They are adding to the misery of their brother, Judah. Hey, it gets even worse, right? In verse 14, um, they joined with Judah's enemies in capturing the people of Judah, handing them over to death and exile. They should have provided aid and shelter, but instead they have turned against their brother. <coughs> now, verses 12 through 14 sound a little bit funny when you consider the context, right? We almost expect it to say something like, you should not have done these things. But actually what it says is, do not do all these things. And that's a little bit confusing, like it's already happened. Why is he saying, don't do it if that's what they've actually already done? I think what's going on here is that these commands, that's what they are, they're commands, are plainly revealed by the light of nature. You don't turn against your brother. That's why everyone is horrified at the story of Cain and Abel. There was no reason for Cain to turn against his brother, but he did. And he murdered him with no reason. So Edom has broken God's commands. They have hated their brother and become his enemy without reason. They thought they were going to get away with it. They thought there was no one to repay them, right? They thought they had sided with the powerful people of the earth. But here's the thing. God saw it. And God remembered. Why is the day of the Lord the great hope of the people of God? Because God sees all the evil that is done to his people. He sees all the evil that is done in the earth and he will not forget it. And we know this. There are many countries where... Christians practice their faith in hiding for fear of imprisonment or even death. You, you know, you can go on the uh, U.S. government website. I don't remember exactly which one it is. You can look this up and see the, the government keeps track of this. Places where religious freedom is just not practiced. And this goes for other religions as well, right? They, there are countries that suppress all religions, but Christianity is one of those religions that is suppressed. The people of God are attacked and put down. But God sees what his people endure and he will not forget it. And I think even in our country, you know, we're not undergoing like blatant persecution, right? People don't come storming into our church and try to stop us from having church services, but Christian beliefs and ethics are under systematic attack. We know this. This is not a secret, right? It's permeated our schools. It's been seeping its way into the media that our children consume. There are plenty of people seeking to silence us for speaking about God and Jesus Christ. Seeking to silence us for boldly proclaiming man's sin and need for a savior. And, and when we look at it, we could think, well, this is all really discouraging, you know. But these things do not escape God's notice. He hasn't stopped being God in the midst of all of this. There's another way of looking at this, and that is that God also sees the evil and the wickedness of the nations in general, right? Not all atrocities that are committed are committed against God's people. There are atrocities committed against innocent people through unjust laws, unjust wars, and these things are going on in our day, right? There is the fact that in our country, thousands of innocent children are slaughtered without even a second thought. And, and yes, like we were happy when Roe versus Wade was overturned, and that may certainly help in this process of trying to bring just and right laws to our country, but the fight is not over in that regard. 
We see the horrors and the atrocities committed throughout the world. We see the horrors and atrocities committed in our country, and it discourages us. And we think, what can we do about all this? But here's the thing. God sees, and God remembers. And these evils will not go unpunished. What does that mean for us as the people of God? Well, we can't stop all the violence and oppression in the world around us, right? We can, first of all, and foremost, we can pray. Pray for righteous leaders. Pray for righteous laws. Pray for just judges. We can vote in lawmakers who will support what is right and good. We can do our part, but we can't stop all the evil that's out there. You know, um, Anastasia's uncle and aunt are missionaries in Mexico, and they have a heart for um, uh, orphans. And there's a lot of orphans in, um, in Mexico. And it's really terrible. I mean, these kids just get, end up getting swept up in human trafficking. And it's horrible. And they're, they're just horrified at the atrocity there. And they've actually opened up a couple of orphanages. But it's like there's only so much you can do. You can only reach so many people. You can only touch so many lives. And, and if, you, if you don't think about this in light of... What God is saying here can be very easy to become overwhelmed. But we can put all our hope and our trust in the God who sees and remembers. Because the day of the Lord will come. God's people are not forgotten. The evils of the nations are not forgotten. God himself is our hope. And that means that God's justice and holiness are just as much the hope of the believer as God's grace and love. Think about that. All that God is, is our hope. Because God does not forget the cry of his people, we wait with expectation for the day of the Lord. And that's an incredible comfort in our daily lives, to know that everything that happens, God sees. You know, I try not to watch the news. But if you like to watch the news, that's fine. But I try not to watch it. It's really discouraging. But look at the news and see all these terrible things that are happening and remind yourself, God sees that. God knows that. This is also a powerful motivation for the everyday life of us as believers. The Lord sees all that we do. Right? He will reward all our labor for him. Remember when um, uh, Jesus tells about how in the last day the sheep will be separated from the goats. Remember? And when the Lord comes to the sheep, he says, you did all these things. You saw me naked and hungry and you visited me and you provided for me. And they said, Lord, when did we do any of that for you? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. See, God doesn't forget what his people do. He sees and remembers all things. Yes, he sees the wickedness of the nations and he will reward it. But he sees the the way that his people seek to walk in obedience to him, loving him and loving neighbor. And he sees it and he remembers it and he will reward it. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of following your God each and every day, doing what is pleasing to him. The Lord seeing and remembering wouldn't mean anything if it stopped at that, right? The Lord does more than just see and remember. He also comes. 
The day of the Lord is the hope of God's people and the terror of God's enemies because the Lord himself will come. Look with me here at verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. Verse 15 here could be, it probably could be brought out a little bit more emphatic than the way it comes out in in most English translations. Um, Surely the day of the Lord is near. There's an emphasis on the nearness of the day of the Lord. The, The prophet is saying, it's coming. It's at the doorstep. God is coming to judge Edom and the nations, even as he has judged Judah and Israel. And when God himself comes, he remembers and rewards the evil done by the nations. Now, in the immediate context, this is talking about God coming to judge Edom. And it's something that's going to happen soon. And maybe even in the time of the people of Judah who are receiving this prophecy, right? It's, it's very, very soon. It's going to happen in their day. The Lord will not tarry or delay, but he will surely come and bring judgment on his enemies. You know, as we think about that, the reality is as you look at the day of the Lord throughout the prophets, it has an application for the people of God, which means it has an application for us today. The Old Testament prophets, when they talked about the day of the Lord, looked forward to the day when Yahweh himself would break into human history, rescuing his people and judging his enemies. They were looking for a day when God would come and establish his kingdom on earth. Yes, the day of the Lord would come on Edom, but there was a day of the Lord when God's people would also be rescued. And that day of the Lord came in a way that they least expected. It came in the person of Jesus Christ. What was it that Jesus preached when he began his earthly ministry? What was his very first message? It was this, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But even that was not the final day of the Lord. The kingdom of God has been ushered in, in Jesus Christ, but it has not yet reached its final consummation. In these last days in which we live, the kingdom of God has overlapped with this present evil age. We are at the same time living in this present evil age, and we are living in the kingdom of God. Both things are happening at the same time. God himself has come to us in the person of Christ, and he has brought salvation to us as people. Salvation from sins, guilt, and power. Salvation that we might live not under the wrath of God, but in fellowship with him as beloved children. For all who believe by faith in Christ... The first coming of Christ and ushering in the kingdom is the day that we look back on as the day when the salvation of God's people was revealed and made known. All that the prophets had looked forward to was made clear in Jesus Christ. The final day of the Lord has not yet come, but now in Christ we know what that day is going to look like. See, the prophets foretold its coming, but they didn't understand exactly what it would mean. They knew it would mean the salvation of God's people and the judgment of God's enemies, but they weren't entirely sure what that would all look like. But now we know. Jesus Christ, who came as a man, who lived and died and rose again and ascended into heaven, 
this same Jesus will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. And when the final day of the Lord comes, the one coming to judge the world is our Savior, is your elder brother. Think about that. What does that mean? You're longing for the day when your elder brother will come to take you home to be with God forever and ever. God himself is coming, but for those who are in Christ, that's the best news you could possibly announce. We long for that day. We rejoice to see that day. As the things of earth grow more and more dim, by God's grace, in our hearts and minds, we look more and more for that day, don't we? This same Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me, will return. The day of the Lord is our great hope, because on that day, we will see Christ face to face. Our faith will be turned to sight. We have loved him, even though we have not seen him, but we will see him. We are those servants waiting for our Lord's return. We are those ones who Jesus specifically told, watch. What I say to you, Jesus told his disciples, I say to all, watch. Stay awake. The question we want to ask ourselves is, are we doing the work of our master? Are we doing the work of the one who called us to himself and will return to call us home? Or are we living for ourselves? Think about what you go through in your daily life. Do you wake up in the morning and look at your schedule and run down the list of things you have to accomplish and ask yourself, how in each one of these things am I going to please my master? It's kind of a strange question. Sometimes when you think about it, there's a lot of routine things that we go through. I don't know about you, I do not like washing the dishes. Just me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you like that. Um, Maybe you put on your favorite podcast or something. I don't like it. Okay, but even in things like that, simple, everyday, mundane things that we don't like, can we do them as pleasing unto the Lord? Caring for our loved ones, our children, showing kindness to a coworker who, frankly, doesn't like you. All these things we do, we can do pleasing to the Lord. For those that are outside of Christ, the coming of the day of the Lord is a terrible day because the one whom they have rejected and scorned will return with all power and glory. The one that they called a good teacher, a moral man, this same Jesus will return and reveal himself to be the only true and living God. They brushed him aside lightly, but they will not be able to do that when he returns. Every knee will bow to him. Those who believe in him by faith will bow with joy. Those who have rejected him, who refuse to acknowledge his lordship and deity, will bow in terror. This Jesus is coming again. And so, as you sit here this evening, do not be found outside of Christ on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the hope of God's people and the terror of God's enemies, because the Lord will judge his enemies And bless his people. Look with me finally at verses 16 through 18. 
For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had never been. But in, the, in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them. And there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. I know Esau... Uh, the people of Edom drank in Jerusalem on the day of Judah's disaster when they came and took part of the spoil. And so God says, even as you did that, I will make you drink all my wrath until you are destroyed. That's actually what the image here is. It says you will drink and swallow. Probably better to think of this as that they will drink again and again until God's wrath is complete. What God is saying here is that he will make Edom small and insignificant. Isn't that what happens to, or has happened to, all the kingdoms of the earth? Like, we think about the superpowers of the earth right now, and they seem so important and so significant in the world arena, but they too will one day become small and insignificant. I mean, like, imagine if years from now the United States and Russia... China, all these big movers in the world. Imagine if all these countries were just like a chapter in a high school history book and there was nothing left of them besides being in a history book. It seems impossible. It seems like, well, that could never happen. But that's what people thought about Rome. That's what people thought about Babylon. These civilizations can never fall, but they did. I think this could be a little bit startling to us to think about. You know, imagine if a hundred years the United States just wasn't a nation. It'd be kind of startling to think about that. But really, this is good news for God's people. Because the day of the Lord means judgment for God's enemies, but salvation for God's people. The day of the Lord is our great hope. The Lord sees and remembers all that his people have been through, all that the wicked of the earth has done. The Lord himself will come. Christ will return in glory and power. And when that happens, when that day comes, God will bless his people. Nothing can stop God from fulfilling his promises to us. Think about that. The superpowers of the world cannot stand in the way of God blessing his people. The day of the Lord is coming, and God himself is coming to us. He will bless us with his presence, and nothing can stand in his way. God promises here that he will restore his people. Israel's hope, remember, Judah is in exile. They've been taken out of the land. And remember that many of them would be born in captivity, and they would never have known their homeland, Jerusalem. And the land of Israel. But their hope and their longing will become a reality. God had left a remnant and he would bring them back to the land and establish them. They would once again settle in their inheritance. And you know, we actually looked at this as we studied Ezra and Nehemiah. And the people did return. They did return to the land, but the return seemed small. It seemed insignificant. Even more than that, in the Assyrian exile, the ten northern tribes of Israel were taken away from the land. And from the world's perspective, they were lost in exile. But God is actually making it clear here that his people are not lost to him. 
The Lord has not forgotten his promises to all the tribes of Israel. That's why he mentions Jacob and Joseph. Joseph is sometimes used in the prophets to depict the ten tribes that seemed lost. But God is saying, they're not lost to me. I know my people, and I will bring them back. This shows that God's love and compassion is for all his people. Is Jerusalem, which had been the site of Israel's sins and abominations, will once again become holy. Remember that uh, in the prophecy of Ezekiel, when God shows what is going on when his presence leaves the temple, it's because when you look at the temple, it's filled with idols and filled with abominations. And God wiped them out, but he would bring his people back temple would be rebuilt. His people would again worship him in truth. He does this all by his grace. By his grace, he calls a people to himself. By his grace, he restores them, restores to them all his promises, even when he had forsaken them. In an ironic turn of events, God's people will participate in the judgment on the nations. But you know, when we think about that, and this is what Obadiah is talking about when he says that Jacob will be a fire and Esau will be stubble, that the people of God will participate in the judgment on God's enemies. But you think about that, that didn't happen when Israel or Judah was restored to the land. It didn't happen in their day. They were small. They were weak. What God is saying here is pointing forward to the final day of the Lord. There are actually many portions of scripture that speak about this. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about how God's people will judge angels. Psalm 149 talks about how God's people will participate in executing judgment on the nations. And in Revelation 19, when it pictures Christ's return to judge all his enemies, it's his people who are coming with him to participate in that. This is a promise for the church. When we will receive our final inheritance and will participate in Christ's victory over the nations. His coming is our salvation. His victory is our victory. And so we look forward to that day. Look at the world around you. Think of the people that you know in your daily life. The people that you interact with. Read about your Christian brothers and sisters suffering around the world. Don't close your eyes to anything. Don't try to escape it. Don't try to look away from it. Look at everything that you see. Let it all sink in. And then fix your eyes and your hope fully on Jesus Christ. Because when you know the end of the story, right? Think about reading a book or watching a movie. Um... I recently read a book with Anastasia. She had never heard the story, and I've read it tons of times, and I love it. And it was so much fun because I knew the end of the story and she didn't, you know? And and when when you have something like that and you know the end of the story, you know that no matter how dark or how dangerous the way may seem or whatever the protagonist is going through, no matter how bad it is, when you know the end of the story, you know that the protagonist will come out okay in the end, you know? I like to do this with my kids when they're watching a show and the the protagonist is in danger. And I say, guys, they all die. And the story ends. And they're like, well, no, that doesn't happen. I'm like, well, then there you go. You know how it ends, right? Because that's usually how it goes. You, you, You can figure out the end of the story. But see, we know the end of the story. 
We know that Christ will be victorious. And so live wisely in the world, but also live boldly. Our Lord is coming back. We are those who will march with him in his triumph. We serve a king whose victory is certain. And so because of that, our victory is certain. Yes, we live in this present evil age. We can boldly share the truth of Christ with those that God has put in our lives. We can boldly tell them, yes, I know the end of the story. God himself is coming. But if you look to him by faith, he will be your savior too. He's my savior, not because I am good, not because I deserve it, but because he is a God of grace who longs to pour out grace and love on those who cry out to him by faith. The Lord loves and preserves his people. His promise of judgment on the nations shows his commitment to all his covenant promises to his people. He will triumph over all his and our enemies. The day of the Lord is coming. It is a day of judgment for God's enemies, yes, but it is a day of blessing. A day of the greatest blessing for God's people. How do you see the coming day of the Lord? Do you look for it with joy and rejoicing, longing for that day to come? Our Lord says, surely I am coming soon. And we respond, crying out to him, come Lord Jesus. Amen.